I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Live Today Live. I have a question for you. What is a man? Uh, there used to be some pretty basic answers to that that we could provide. You know, I mean, you can go to the scientific side and look at the chromosomes, right? You know, uh, you, you could talk about the, the roles that we usually fulfill as a husband, a father, you know, the, the one who goes and provides for the family, the protector, and a lot of good things. And there's some variations in there. I, I get that. But today, we seem to have lost any sense of what a man is. Uh, well, there's a great reminder, and the reminder comes from someone who is one of 50 U.S. senators. Uh, he was the First Amendment lawyer and then a law professor, then the attorney general of the state of Missouri. Now he is a senator from Missouri, and I'm talking about Senator Josh Hawley. This is his new book, On Manhood, and if you know anything about the political climate today, you know that he is making a bold statement by coming out with a book like that. I am thrilled to have Senator Josh Hawley on the program today. Senator, so honored to have you on Life Today Live. Thank you for having me. You know, years ago, uh, at least when I was growing up, I know you're a little younger than I am, uh, a book on manhood would, would be nice and a little quaint, but today it's kind of controversial and very much needed. Uh, why did you, as a senator, decide you were going you were going to put your foot in the ground and say, I'm going to write a book on godly manhood? Yeah, oh, it's hugely controversial. And if you doubt that, <laughs> just read the Washington Post or the New York Times or oh. the Atlantic or the Guardian or any publication on the left, all of whom are melting down <laughs> about this book. It is really unbelievable. And they especially do not like my references to the Bible. The fact that we talk about God's plan for men, I mean, they just blows their minds that we would do something like this, that I would do something like this. And the reason I did it is, I've got two little boys at home who are 10 and 8 now, and as I think about my obligations to them as a father to help them become the men God called them to be, that's really where this book started. And I go back to the Bible, back to the Scripture, look at what God's plan for men is for good, strong men and male leadership, and that's really what the book is about. Well, yeah, and you know, those things are not like antiquated or you know, hostile to you boys. I mean, it's actually it's very edifying, and we'll get to some of those points. i got to ask you real quick, before we get to that, how in the world did we ever get to where we're at where we don't even know what a man is? You know, I think it's because we've had decades now of the radical left, to be honest, in this country that has sent the message that men are toxic. To be a man is to be toxic. It is to make the world a worse place. It is to destroy just about everything that you touch. You know, these are the people who say that men are single-handedly responsible for quote-unquote climate change and for the patriarchy and, and everything else. And they have drummed that message into young men's brains, especially for decades now. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the statistics on young men, their suicide rate, depression rate, 
alcohol abuse, drug abuse, crime. And we wonder why people seem so lost and why, why young men seem so lost. And so I think we're at a point where the ideology of the left, which has come to dominate our entertainment industry, pop culture, of course, the universities, really has befuddled and, and befogged an entire generation or two of young men. And we're dealing with the fallout of that. Yeah. Well, you approach it with clarity, and I appreciate that. Uh, you, you say that there are certain vo- uh, virtues that uh, we must cultivate in, in our boys and every man must have. Walk us through some of these virtues that you think are non-negotiables. I think this goes all the way back to Genesis. In the book, I start with Genesis. I start with God's call to Adam. What does God do? He makes the world. He makes Adam and Eve. He puts Adam in the garden, and then he says to Adam, tend the garden, keep it. And if you look closely at the Genesis story and the words that are used there in the Bible, what you see is that charge to Adam is a charge to expand the garden, to take the garden into the wilderness, you know, the place beyond the garden. Adam is supposed to keep it safe, but he's supposed to do more than that. He's supposed to expand it for the glory of God. That, I think, is the basic premise of what it means to be a man, then and now, that we are charged as men with making gardens in the wilderness, with expanding what God has made into all of the world, with glorifying God, everything we do with our lives, bringing order from chaos. That's our basic command. And you see this repeated throughout the Bible. And so my my argument is, my claim to men, is that in order to do that, to be the kind of men God meant us to be, to fulfill the mission God gave us, we've got to take on certain character traits, certain virtues. We've got to become husbands and fathers and warriors and builders and priests and kings. And that's what the book is about. You know, I, I like that you use this term builder, and I love that you reference that in Genesis. I, I There are some versions that maybe King James, I'd have to double check, but they say subdue the land, which yeah. has a different connotation in our language today. But if you look at the original language, what you're saying is is 100% correct because it's to care for, to cultivate, to expand, right. to build, which really requires men to become servants in a lot of ways, which is what Jesus did. How do we, exactly. yeah, how do, we do this? Well, I think that the core thing that God calls us to, and you just touched upon it, if you were to summarize all of those things, so what's it mean to be a husband and a father and a builder and a warrior, a priest and a king? At the essence of it, it is to live sacrificially. It is to lay down your life for others. Where do we see the supreme example of that? Of course, in Jesus. He is the man, capital T, capital M. You know, the whole story of the Bible revolves around him. And we as men were made in his image as a man. And I talk about this in the book. I mean, so he is he is the true man, the ultimate man, if you like. And the man, of course, who gave his life as a ransom for many. Men are called to live in that pattern. We don't lay down our lives to save the world. Only he could do that. But we follow him by living sacrificially mm-hmm. for the good of others, beginning with our wives and children and those in our care. So that's how we do it. I mean, how, how do we live into that kind of manhood? We learn to discipline our passions. We learn to sacrifice our self-interest. We learn in very practical everyday ways to put our wives ahead of us, to put our children ahead of us, to live for others. And as we do that, we find true happiness, but also true influence and legacy. <laughs> Why would that be controversial? <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and I think part of the reason is maybe 
uh, some people have done it wrong in the name of God in the past, but I mean, you, this is what you do, you know, and you and, and your wife and your, your children, uh, you, you're building a successful family. Um, do, do people that get to know you say, you know what, I, I think maybe what you've written in your book is, is right because I see it working in your life? People who get to know me usually say your wife is a lot smarter than you are, um, <laughs> which is uh, 100% true. Um, no, I mean, listen, it, it is, it's certainly what I try to do. Yeah. And I think the good news for men is this, that if you will take on the responsibilities that God means for you, you can transform your life, you can transform your family, and you can change the destiny of those around you. That is a powerful calling. And I think at a time when so many men, especially young men, feel like they don't have any purpose, they wonder what it is they're supposed to do with their life, they wonder if they really matter. I think what we have to tell them is what the gospel truth is, which is you do matter, God calls you to matter. The way to matter is to serve, it is to give up your life, it is to lay down your life. That's a powerful thing. And the other thing I'd add is, you don't have to do it perfectly. I'm a testament to this. I mean, no man is perfect, certainly I'm not. And I talk about this some in the book. I, I talk about times where, you know, I, 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 I did not live up to my responsibilities as a dad and a father and, and struggling, growing in that. And I think the, the wonderful news is you don't have to be perfect. The Lord's grace is more than sufficient. The, the key thing is, will we follow in the way the Lord calls us to walk? Will we give our life to him ultimately and then to the work he calls us to do? If we'll do that, his grace will be more than sufficient. It will be super abundant. Yeah, and you know, I, I think you and I both know uh, good godly men who have have raised their children right, really. I mean, not perfectly, but at least with pointing back to these godly principles and the kids kind of spin off. I mean, there are such things as prodigal sons. It's a real thing, you know, but when we honor God, when we obey God, uh, there the results are up to him. And, and we are contending with free will of children, as you'll find out as yours get into the teen years here real soon. Um, but at the same time, there's, there's a peace and there's a promise uh, from God that, that will get us through those very difficult times. I wanna show people your book real quick. This is uh, the book, Manhood, available now wherever you get books. Bestseller, um, uh, if it's not, it will be soon, and we'll make it after people watch it on today's program. Uh, but um, I, I'm curious a little bit, Josh, about your, uh, Senator, I should say, about your, uh, your past. I know your father was a banker and your mother a teacher. Um, what did you learn from them that made you the man you are today? Well, the most important thing is I learned about Jesus. Both of my parents are believers, and the greatest thing they ever did for me by leaps and bounds was to teach me about the Lord. So I don't remember a time when I did not know about Jesus. I remember being five and sitting on my dad's lap and praying to accept Jesus into my heart. And then when I was 12, a bit older, making a, a more public confession of faith, a more mature confession of faith. But really what they did for me and for my sister, I have a younger sister, uh, was to love on us, was to teach us about the Lord, was to give us structure, was to give us discipline. You know, my parents were old school. They believed in discipline. And I mean, they really, they loved that word. <laughs> and uh, so they, you know, they believed in structure, they believed in order, they believed in discipline. But for all of that, it was not a rules-based household. You know, they weren't into having a bunch of rules. I never had a curfew growing up. I'm, I'm not, wow. you know, I leave that to parents. But for me and my family, they didn't do that. Uh, they were just really into you learn 
to honor the Lord. You learn to try and please the Lord in all you do. That was kind of the rule of their household. And they modeled it. You know, I mean, maybe that's the most important thing. They modeled that in their lives day in and day out. And, um, you know, when you see that role model, it's an attractive thing. You see that and you think, I, I want to do that. Yeah, it is. And I think that's a hard thing when you look at our country because so many parents aren't role models. Uh, and, and so many, mainly women, are, are single parent households struggling, doing their best to, to raise children right. Man, this is, you know, from the Senate standpoint, you're, you're a leader in government. Um, how in the world do, I mean, is, do you have any hope for the future in, in getting our godly men and women whole again in this country? Because it's a mess right now. I know you know this. It is, it is a mess, but I do have tremendous hope because of the incredible power even one life can make. I mean, when I look at this, I talk about this in the book, the men in my own life, mentors, coaches, the impact they had on my life. And when I think about what one person can do, and this is why for young men out there, I just want to say to you, listen, if you will take responsibility for your life, if you will sacrifice your passions and momentary desires for what the Lord calls you into, you can transform your life. You can transform the destiny of your family. Maybe you didn't grow up with a dad. Maybe your relationship with your dad is no good. Maybe there's a cycle in your family of hurt and pain. You can break it. You can be the one whose life breaks that cycle and changes the destiny of your entire family and those that you know. And so when I think about that, those are gospel truths because what the Lord does through us. When I think about that, I've got tremendous hope. I, I hope that this book is partly a call to awakening for men in this country because the way the country is going to be changed is not by electing certain people to Congress, though we need good people, and it's not by passing this or that law, though we need good laws, mm -hmm. but it is ultimately by the transformation of everyday men and women who are going about their work, raising their families, living in their communities. That's what's going to do it. Yeah, and you know what? I, I can testify to that truth because my dad uh, grew up in an alcoholic with an alcoholic father in a broken home, but he found God as his, as his father uh, and ended up adopting me, uh, which is, uh, you know, your, your wife's work with, uh, I mentioned this to you when I mentioned it last week, your wife's work uh, in the pro-life movement uh, is, is very meaningful to us personally as a family because, you know, we, we come from situations where the world would have told you, yeah, just, you know, you're better off without that child. Um, I, I think part of getting us back to manhood is men taking a role, uh, even, even in things like the pro-life movement where we've been told to be quiet, uh, because we, we have to speak out and be godly leaders in order to be the men that God created us to be. That's my aside. What, what, if you have anything you want to add, please jump in because. Oh, I think that's right. I think, I think that's 110% correct. And I think that for men, again, the, the, the real call here is that the Lord will do extraordinary things through your life. The mm -hmm. potential of your life when yielded to the Lord's purposes is unfathomable. I mean, it's it's truly extraordinary. And your past does not have to determine your future. You know, what your life has been up to this point doesn't have to be the course that you stay on. I mean, it can be changed. The Lord can change it. And if you will lean into, how again, however imperfectly, it's imperfect for all of us, but if we as men will lean into what the Lord calls us to, he will bless that, he will empower that, and he will transform our circumstances. Yeah, and every life is, is valuable, uh, and God can do 
amazing things when we take some of the worst situations and give them to him. I want to ask you about uh, the last role that you discuss because uh, you know we talked about sacrificial living and some men are like, yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> you know, uh, we, we talk about, uh, you know, surrendering to God, but you end with the idea of us as king, yeah. uh, which is very appealing to most men. What do you mean by that? I mean, somebody who can bring to the situations around him, he can bring order, he can bring peace, he can bring flourishing for other people in his life. Someone who is able to use his God-given authority to bring the gifts that God wants others to experience. That's what a king does. That's what King David did in the Bible. It's what King Solomon did. And I use those guys as examples in the book and look at their stories about their reigns and how they're recorded in history. And these were men who, in service to the Lord, used their authority to bring good, to bring flourishing, to bring order to the lives around them. I think as men, that is the ultimate. I end with that picture because that's, as men, the ultimate thing that we're called to. If we will follow the Lord and take on the responsibilities he has laid on us, we can ultimately become kings who are able to bring this blessing to those in our lives. And that is really the highest thing we could, should aspire to. You know, I mean, the, the world says, aspire to make yourself happy, aspire to be rich, aspire to be famous, aspire to be uh, contented, entertained. No, that's not the call of the Bible. The, the Bible says, aspire to bless those around you. What did God say to Abraham? I'm going to bless you and make you a blessing. So that is what I think we as men should ultimately be living for. We live to please the Lord and to be a conduit of his blessing to other people. That's what a king does. Love it. Love it. Senator Harley, appreciate your time. Appreciate your stand. I know it's not easy. Uh, and <laughs> I know you, you're taking arrows every single day, uh, but you got a lot of us out here that, that stand behind you. Appreciate what you do. Is there anything you want to add before I let you go? Oh, no, I don't think so. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for your ministry. Thank you. That is Senator Josh Hawley from the state of Missouri. And so glad to have such uh, a leader in the Senate. We need more like them. Please, when you vote, vote for godly men when you have the opportunity. Um, and I mean, this is not a political push. I, I, when, when there are godly leaders, the people rejoice when there's a good King, the, you know, the nation is blessed and we don't have Kings, but we do have people in authority. And so godly people in authority is key. You can uh, see more at his website right there. And man, if you've got a, a man in your life, a young man in your life, a boy, a teen, doesn't matter. Doesn't even have to be a relative. <laughs> Pick up the book uh and we can help to build great men and if you are a man you're a father a husband uh good good read a good reminder of what we can be uh you know we we can be kings in the image of christ so appreciate you guys being here do urge you to check out the book and the website and come back because we've got more for you here on life today live Thank you.